Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. You have no idea how excited I am to be talking to you this morning. I got out of bed and I said today is going to be a good day because I get to share with people I love something that's very near and dear to my heart. So I am alive today. Do you ever notice there are times in our lives when we completely lose our confidence? Ever notice that? You're at work. And your sales numbers are down. You're worried about your production. You think that the boss is wondering about you. And you just have lost all of your confidence. Or you look in the mirror. And things that were once one color are another color. Things that were once smooth are now wrinkled. And back at the same old office, there are all these young people that are being hired with their MBAs. And you lose your confidence Have you ever tried to parent a kid that hasn't been going so well? That'll do wonders. That'll do wonders for your confidence. Or you're an athlete and you're not scoring very many goals and the fans and the coach and you've lost your confidence. And it happens to us in our lives. What happens in our physical lives often happens in our spiritual lives. We lose our spiritual confidence. And maybe you're in this room this morning surrounded by all of these good Christians, you know, and their faith seems to be working for them. But now in this moment, you are struggling with your faith. Pastors preach all these great sermons about answers to prayer. And your prayers haven't been answered as much recently. Everybody else's kids seem to be following the Lord, but your kids are seeming to be detached. Oh, you celebrate this thing called forgiveness, and all these other good Christians are rejoicing in the forgiveness of the Lord, but in your heart, you're feeling that your sins and that your problems are so deep and complex that maybe not even God could forgive your sins. You may even be doubting your salvation. And the first thing I want to say to you this morning is it's okay. That happens in the normal Christian experience. Would you be surprised if I was to tell you that the Lord Jesus himself at one time in his life struggled with spiritual confidence? Do you remember just before he was about to die, he prayed, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? It's okay to struggle. But I want to talk to you this morning about the theological foundation, the basis from God's word where we can have confidence. And my prayer this morning is that each one of us will leave this place just a little more confident, even though we battle with our feelings, a little more confidence in the facts of who I am in Christ Jesus. And I know of no greater passage of Scripture that addresses this than Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And if you have your Bibles, um, always, you know, don't get out of the habit of bringing your Bible to church. We have our Bible on the screen, I know. Stay in the habit, would you, of bringing your Bible to church? 
Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we're just going to be looking at two verses. And um, Paul is here writing to Italian Christians. God bless the Italians. <laughs> Got a few of them here this morning. Therefore, now like, can, can we stop? That's an important word. Because it's a bridge word. It's tying in what Paul has said in chapter 4 with what he's going to say in chapter 5. It's a bridge that we have to pass over. Therefore, since we have, we are going to be looking this morning at three halves. Three halves, three things that you possess, three things that you can stick in your pocket... Therefore, here's number one, since we have been justified through faith. Justification through faith is something you have in your pocket. Then here is the second have. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom, that should be a capital W, through whom, because it's talking about Jesus, here's the third have. We have gained access by faith into this grace. It's something you possess, in which we now stand. Three halves. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have access into his grace. Which leads me to say, you are richer than you think. You are richer than you think. Oh, this is, this is so good because I want to break down this scripture to us. Because you are going to leave this place bursting with confidence. Two times in two verses, Paul talks about faith. Our spiritual journey begins when we exercise faith. Now, there's a lot of fuzzy thinking about faith, um, and I am a simple man, so I'm going to give you a simple definition of faith. We're going to take the acrostic, the F, the A, the I, the T, and the H, because each one of those letters means something. F, forsaking, A-L-I-I-T, take H-Him. Listen. True faith is forsaking all. We come to the end of ourself, we see our need, we surrender. Forsaking all, I trust Christ. That is faith. When I was a little boy, I soon learned that going up something was a whole lot easier than coming down. And on our farm, we had a tree. And one day I decided to climb up into the tree, that was the easy part, to see what I could see. But after a period of time when I decided to come down, I all of a sudden because, became paralyzed by fear because I was way up there and looking way down there. That seemed like a great distance. And I tried and, and I was scared and I, 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 I couldn't get down. And I started to cry. A little boy crying in a tree because he could get, not get down. I don't know how long I was up there, but when my father finished milking, he was coming from the milking barn and he heard the cries of his little boy. 
And he came down under the tree and he had a smile on his face. And that made me mad. <laughs> he said, what's up, son? And that made me madder. Because I was crying and could not get down. He held out his strong arms and he said, son, jump and I'll catch you. I said, no. He said, son, jump. And I said, do I have to? And he said, son, jump, because if you jump, I will catch you and place you on the ground. I believed my dad. He was the strongest dad on the block. And I, on one level, I knew that he could catch me. I knew what he said was true. But hanging on to those branches, I still remember how difficult it was to close my eyes, put my arms like this, and let go and fall into his arms. You see, my friends, it is not just enough to believe certain propositional truths about faith. It's not enough just to believe the Bible and believe certain things about Jesus. True faith happens when, having come to the end of myself, I let go and I fall into the arms of Jesus, so to speak. That is faith. Now, the millisecond you exercise faith, Something is activated. This is very important. Something is activated, and God doesn't do something in you. He does something to you. He does something for you. The millisecond you exercise faith, God justifies you. Justified by faith. Now, I'm going to stop. I need a drink of water because my throat is dry. And I just want to talk to you for a moment about justification by faith. Did you know that those three words are incredibly important, listen, in the history of our world? Did you know that? Did you know that... Um, these three words led to geopolitical changes in all of Europe, especially Germany and Switzerland and somewhat in France. That this affected governments, this affected politics. When the Protestant Reformation happened over these three words, justification by faith, did you know that? Did you know that for centuries and centuries, it was like these three words were invisible? It was almost like the people of faith in that day, they couldn't see these words. Like they were, they were absent in the Bible. Oh, they were always there, but nobody noticed them. And one day, a man you may have heard of whose name was, um, um, oh yeah, Martin Luther. Do you remember him? He, he, he was reading his Bible one day and he discovered these words that the just shall live by faith and justification by faith. And it changed the European world at the time. Secular historians will tell you that these are very, very important words in the history of our world. But let's get back to our sermon. The moment I exercise faith, something is activated, and I become justified. Now, what does that mean? Well, again, I am a simple man, so let's use a simple uh, explanation. Justified is just as if I never sinned. 
Very simple, right? Justification. Just as if I never sinned. In other words, when you exercise faith, listen, God has a new view of you. He has a new view of you. He sees you differently. He sees you just as if you never sinned. Paul just didn't pick this word out of the air. He picked it from the world of the courts and from Roman law. Let's say you were a Roman and you were charged of a crime of some kind. Um, You're standing before the judge and you are nervous. I mean, you are scared. You're before the judge. And he, um, he can do you damage. But he looks at your case, the case against you. He looks at you. He looks at the case against you. He looks at you. All along, you're trembling. And then the judge says this to you. He says, I do not know what you have or have not done. But in my eyes, this court has no charge against you. You are free to go. And in relief, you walk out of the courtroom. And as you're walking out of the courtroom, people look at you and say, hey, that guy, he's been justified justified just as if he never broke the law. Now, when I was a boy, can we talk about my childhood again? Am I, ta- I don't mean to talk about myself so much, but these are things I've experienced. Things I've experienced. We had a missionary in our church. I grew up in Center Street Church in Victoria. Center, no, Central. Let me get this straight. I grew up in Central Church in Victoria, and now I pastor in Center Street. I'm a middle kind of guy. So growing up in Central Church in Victoria, we had a missionary in our church. His name was Donald Whiteside. And boy, did Donald Whiteside have a story to tell. Young boy grew up without a father, presence in his life, became involved with the wrong crowd, started with petty theft, met the wrong people, started doing more severe crime, and they have a little syndicate that breaks into houses and steals, and everything is going well in their little racket until one day when they're breaking into a home to steal, the homeowner comes home unexpectedly. And Don Whiteside grabs a piece of pipe and hits the homeowner over the head and seriously, seriously injures him. Well, he is apprehended, he is convicted, he is sentenced, and he is incarcerated for a long, long time. Donald Whiteside in prison, this man I know. Well, what happens to people in prison? What do they find? God, yeah. People in prison sometimes find God. But that's not what happens to Donald Whiteside. God found Donald Whiteside. And his life was changed, let me tell you. He had a knack, he had a gift for sharing his faith. And the most amazing thing happened, people would respond and they'd give their hearts to the Lord. Hardened criminals would come to Christ and then he would gather these prisoners together and he um, would get them into little groups and he'd teach them the Bible. And, And this movement in the penitentiary grew and he just had a gift for doing this. Now, do not ask me how it happened because I cannot tell you. Do not ask me. And you may not believe this, 
but this is Canadian history, I'm going to tell you. One day, Queen Elizabeth in her palace hears about Donald Whiteside in the penitentiary and the wonderful work that he is doing, how lives are being changed. And Queen Elizabeth of England does something she's only done once in Canadian history. She issues Donald Whiteside her pardon, and he's released out of prison. His slate is wiped clean. All of his crimes are washed away. And Donald Whiteside goes to the land of Columbia and he leads many Colombians to Christ, plants churches in Columbia. What he did in prison, he did in Columbia. He's an old man now, still alive. My family was just talking to him. He's in the Niagara Peninsula, growing bees, raising bees and making honey. What happened to Donald Whiteside happens to every one of us. The moment we exercise faith, God activates something in us. He justifies us. Our record is wiped clean. We are viewed by God just as if we never sinned. And it all happens through the Lord Jesus Christ, our text says, because the Lord Jesus loved us, because he died for us, because he bore our sins on the cross, all of our sins transferred on Christ, and God has a new view of you. He sees you just as if you never sinned. If you are going to recover spiritual confidence, here is where you begin. Because you see you the way you see you. You look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. You look in your heart and you don't like what you see. You have a view of you that my experience is most of us, it's negative, it's, it's jaded, it's sarcastic. We think of ourselves as ugly in so many ways in body and soul, but that is not God's view of you. He sees you as perfect and white in his sight. You are justified by faith. Now we could stop there and that would be pretty good. But he goes on. He says, having been justified by faith, here's something else we have, something else you can put in your pocket. We have peace with God. Every moment of every hour of every day of your life God, almighty in heaven, is at peace with you. He continually has thoughts of peace towards you. This is not peace from frayed nerves or anxiety that you may covet. No, God is at peace with you. But you say, you know, I don't feel that. Warren, I'm just being truthful. I feel the cold shoulder of God. I feel his judgment. I, I feel he is angry at me. Of course we feel that sometime. That's part of the normal human experience. These are our feelings, the way we feel, and that's why we need pastors and why we need counselors and why we need freedom sessions. Maybe most important, what you need is a good Christian friend to talk and to process with you know, what you're feeling. But feelings are just little snapshots in time of a temporary reality. 
That's very important that you understand this about your feelings. Your feelings are just little snapshots in time of a temporary reality. Do you really think Jesus always felt, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, that was just a little snapshot in time of his current reality. But here is your eternal reality, my friends. God in heaven is at peace with you. He says exactly the same thing three chapters later in chapter 8 and verse 1. Exactly the same thing when he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not a yet, nix, nothing, nil. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you can't be condemned. The Lord Jesus bore your condemnation. He was condemned for you. For you. God can never punish you. Because you were punished in Christ. You're having problems with your teenager. <laughs> what is the worst thing you can do to a kid? Take away their cell phone. <laughs> you do that for a week, and it is the worst week of your life, I tell you. Your kid is on you like um, white on rice. Is that how they say it? White on rice? It's the worst week of your life. Finally, finally the week is over and you give the kid back their cell phone. A few weeks later you're thinking, boy, you know, my kid was really bad that time. I think I'm going to take away their cell phone for another week. You can't do that. You can't punish somebody twice when you've punished them one. You ever heard of double jeopardy? You cannot do that. That is immoral. And God can never punish you because the Lord Jesus bore your punishment. God is at peace with you. And some of you have to hear that. And you have to eternalize it. And you have to get it deep deep, deep inside of you. I don't care how you feel. Of course I care how you feel. That's why I'm up here telling you the truth. Your reality is justification by faith. God has a new view of you. Well, we could stop there. We could stop there, but he's not done. Through whom, verse 2 says, there's another have, through whom we have gained access. This is something you have. You have gained access into his grace. Now, the number one thing you need to have to recover your spiritual confidence is an understanding of grace. You see, part of your problem is that, and, and uh, let me start that again, part of our problem, because pastors are sheep too, right? Pastors are sheep too. Part of our problem is we're so focused on what we do. We're so focused on ourselves. We're egocentric, but we need to be Christocentric. We need to focus more on what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Um, think more about him and a little bit less about you, 
Okay, can I say that lovingly? Grace. We know what it means. It's a gift. It's something you don't deserve. I like, again, being a simple man. Here's one more acronym for you. G-R-A-C-E. And again, some of you have heard this many times, but maybe the person beside you hasn't, so lighten up a little bit. Grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? God's riches at Christ's expense. And I have access to that grace. In other words, God has thrown open the door to you. You have no idea how much he loves you, how much he smiles on you every day, how he wants to throw open his grace and his riches to you. But I don't feel it. Temporary snapshot of a temporary reality in your life. Eternal perspective. He's throwing open the door to you in this grace. And here's that last little phrase, in which we now stand. I am so delighted to stand before you this morning and tell you that before God, you have standing, you stand. Because one of the things in our soul that we need, we always need to know where we stand, right? You want to know where we stand financially? You remember uh, when we were dating way back when? Some of you may be dating right now. Uh, Gals, you meet a really nice guy. Oh, he's a nice guy. He's handsome. He's funny. He has muscles on his muscles. (laughs) And uh, he has asked you out on a date. And so you go out on this date with him, out for dinner, let's say, and the conversation is so great around the table, there seems to be connection between you. There seems to be chemistry, and then he he drops you off. And uh, as he leaves, you call your girlfriend, and you might ask her, oh, you know, we had such a great time. I wonder where I stand. I wonder where I stand with her. Or you're a guy and you meet this great gal, you take her out for dinner, there's, there's, um, there's good chemistry around the table, and oh, she's, she's beautiful. Inside and out, you say, just beautiful. And you take her home, and uh, all along you're thinking, wow, I wonder where, her, where, where I stand with her. Um, I wonder where I stand with her. You know, um, Sometimes we wonder that in our spiritual lives, too. Some of you are going to go to work this week. Is it Tuesday, the worst day of the week for layoffs? And you're going to be looking around, and you're going to be saying to yourself, I wonder where I stand. I wonder if I'll have a job. And that happens to us spiritually. We wonder where we stand with God. And people, um, they stand a whole bunch of different ways with God. If you've been disappointed by God, you might uh, stand, feel like you're standing before God like this. Or if you're, if you've really been working hard to try to please God, you know, you're not trusting in His grace, you're just working and working to try and please Him every day, you might stand before God, (sighs) oh, tired, working so hard in your own effort, you might stand before God like this. Or if you're afraid of God, you might, you know, you might be standing before him like this. 
But it's very interesting to me when Paul talks about standing before God, he just doesn't choose any word. He chooses a word where you stand feet firmly planted on the ground, shoulders back, chest out. You stand before God. And this is a miracle, people. Because we as mortal men, we as mortal women, we as mortal young people, so broken, so sometimes sinful, we get to stand, we get to stand before a holy God, completely forgiven because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. We are at peace with him, we have access to his grace, and we get to stand before God Almighty. Now some of you are saying, well, no, some of you are saying, listen, no, if I, if, I, if I was before God, I wouldn't stand. I would fall to my knees and worship and adore him. Of course you would do that. We would all do that. But that is not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about our position in Christ. He's talking about the fact that we stand in confidence before him. When, when kings in Bible time, they'd always have people flopping around, around, uh, flopping around them. You know, the court officials, the politicians, the diplomats, his ministers. Everybody was always falling and bowing before the king. Except the king's children. They would come and they would play around the throne. And they would enjoy the presence of their father. You want to know where you stand before God? Let me tell you where you stand. You stand. You stand tall and you stand proud in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is with you. He is beside you. And you stand before God. We do not creep into his grace. We do not crawl into his grace. We do not shame into his grace. We stand. With the presence of Christ, we stand in his grace. Grace. And all you did, having come to the end of yourself, you fell into his arms, God activated something, he justified you, he is at peace with you. He's so excited that he has thrown open the door to all of his riches, and you stand before him through the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. People always ask me, Warren, how long does it take you to prepare a sermon? You know how long it took me to prepare this sermon? 60 years. (laughs) Almost 60 years. Almost, Kevin. Almost 60 years. I had to get stuck in a tree, I had to hear the stories of Donald Whiteside, and I had to go through my personal spiritual confidence struggles. As a young boy, I struggled with spiritual confidence. I must have accepted the Lord a hundred times. I always had a heart for Jesus, but no spiritual confidence. And one day at Nest Lake Bible Camp, my counselor was talking to my counselor about that, and he said, Warren, when did you accept the Lord? I said, which time? I said, uh, I prayed with my mother in uh, May of 1967. It's funny, when Canada became 
100 years old, I began my spiritual journey. And he said, well, Warren, I want you to find a stake. I want you to put May, the, May 1967, and I want you to go to your backyard and pound it into the ground. And whenever you have doubts, I want you to think about that stake in the ground. I thought in my heart that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> but I did it. Got a stake. Roman, uh, I wrote uh, May 1967. And I went to my backyard, and I pounded that stake in the ground. Many, many, many years ago. That stake is gone now. It's decomposed. It's rotten. But that stake is fresh in my heart. It was a little tangible something I did to cement my faith. Now, if you haven't been baptized, you should be baptized because that's the Bible way of cementing our faith. But I just needed to, to do something for my spiritual confidence, and that's what I did. And if after the service you want to come forward, I have stakes here. You can grab one. You can write Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 on there. This afternoon, you can go into your backyard and pound it into a snowbank. And then when winter chill gives way to summer thaw, you can get your hammer again and pound it into the ground where it will rot... But your mind and heart will always go back, not to the way you're feeling. That temporary snapshot of a temporary time in your life. But your heart will go back to the truth and the reality of Christ and what he has done for you. You are richer than you think. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter 